the love filth of Ike Schoenstein by O. Henry. The Blue Light Drugstore is downtown, between the Bowery and First Avenue, where the distance between the two streets is the shortest. The Blue Light does not consider that pharmacy is a thing of bric-a-brac, scent, and ice cream soda. If you ask it for painkiller, it will not give you a candy. The blue light scorns the labor-saving arts of modern pharmacy. It macerates its opium. It percolates its own laudanum and paragoric. To this day, pills are made behind its tall prescription desk. Pills rolled out on its own pill till, divided with a spatula, rolled with a finger and thumb, dusted with calcined magnesia, and delivered in little round pasteboard pill boxes. The store is on a corner about which coves of ragged, plumbed, hilarious children play become candidates for the cough drops and soothing syrups that wait for them inside. Ike Schoenstein was the night clerk of the blue light and the friend of his customers. Thus it is on the east side where the heart of pharmacy is not glacé. There, as it should be, the druggist is a counselor, a confessor, an advisor, an able and willing missionary, and mentor whose learning is respected, whose occult wisdom is venerated, and whose medicine is often poured, untasted, into the gutter. Therefore, Ike's corniform, bespeckled nose in narrow, knowledge-bowed figure was well known in the vicinity of the blue light and his advice and notice were much desired. Ike roomed and breakfasted at Mrs. Riddle's two squares away. Mrs. Riddle had a daughter named Rosie. Their circumlocution has been in vain. You must have guessed it. Ike adored Rosie. She tinctured all his thoughts. She was the compound extract of all that was chemically pure and officinal. The dispensatory contained nothing equal to her. But Ike was timid, and his hopes remained insoluble in the menstruum of his backwardness and fears. Behind his counter, he was a superior being, calmly conscious of special knowledge and worth. Outside, he was a weak-kneed, purblind, motorman-cursed rambler, with ill-fitting clothes, stained with chemicals, and smelling of socotrine aloes and valerianate of ammonia. The fly in Ike's ointment was Chunk McGowan. Mr. McGowan was also striving to catch the bright smiles tossed about by Rosie. But he was no outfielder as Ike was. He picked them off the bat. At the same time, he was Ike's friend and customer and often dropped in at the Blue Light drugstore to have a bruise painted with iodine or get a cut rubber plastered after a pleasant evening spent along the Bowery. One afternoon, McGowan drifted in in his silent, easy way and sat comely, smooth-faced, hard, indomitable, good-natured upon a stool. Ike, said he, 
when his friend had fetched his mortar and sat opposite, grinding gum benzoin to a powder. Get busy with your ear. It's drugs for me if you've got the line I need. Ike scanned the countenance of Mr. McGowan for the usual evidence of conflict, but found none. Take your coat off, he ordered. I guess already that you've been stuck in the ribs with a knife. I've many times told you those daggers would do you up. Mr. McGowan smiled. Not them, he said. Not any daggers, but you've located the diagnosis all right enough. It's under my coat. Near the ribs, eh? Ike, Rosie and me are going to run away and get married tonight. Ike's left forefinger was doubled over the edge of the mortar, holding it steady. He gave it a wild rap with the pestle, but felt it not. Meanwhile, Mr. McGowan's smile faded to a look of perplexed gloom. That is, if she keeps in the notion until the time comes... We've been laying pipes for the getaway for two weeks. One day, she says she will. The same evening, she says Nixie. We've agreed on tonight, and Rosie's stuck to the affirmative this time for two whole days. But it's five hours yet till the time, and I'm afraid she'll stand me up when it comes to the scratch. You said you want drugs, remarked Ike. Mr. McGowan looked ill at ease and harassed, a condition opposed to his usual line of demeanor. He made a patent medicine almanac into a roll and fitted it with unprofitable carefulness about his finger. I wouldn't have this double handicap make a false start tonight for a million. I've got a little flat up in Harlem already with chrysanthemums on the table and a kettle ready to boil. And I've engaged a pulpit pounder to be ready at his house for us at 9.30. It's got to come off. And if Rosie don't change her mind again... Mr. McGowan ceased, a prey to his doubts. I don't see, then, yet, what makes it that you talk of drugs, or what I can be doing about it. Old man Riddle don't like me a little bit, went on the uneasy suitor, bent upon marshalling his arguments. For a week, he hasn't let Rosie step outside the door with me. If it wasn't for losing a border, it'd have bounced me long ago. I'm making $20 a week. She'll never regret flying the coop with Chunk McGowan. You will excuse me, Chunk. I must make a prescription that is to be called for soon. Say, say, Ike, ain't there a drug of some kind? Some kind of powders that'll make a girl like you better if you give them to her? Ike's lip beneath his nose curled with a scorn of superior enlightenment. But before he could answer, Mr. McGowan continued. Tim Lacey told me he got some once from a croaker uptown and fed him to his girl in soda water. From the very first dose, he was ace high and everybody else looked like 30 cents to her. They was married in less than two weeks. Strong and simple was Chunk McGowan a better reader of men than Ike, could have seen that his tough frame was strung upon fine wires. Like a good general who was about to invade the enemy's territory, he was seeking to guard every point against possible failure. I thought that 
If I had one of them powders to give Rosie when I see her at supper tonight, I might brace her up and keep her from reneging on the proposition to skip. I guess she don't need a mule team to drag her away, but women are better at coaching than they are at running bases. If the stuff will work for just a couple of hours, it'll do the trick. When is this foolishness of running away to be happening? Asked Ike. Nine o'clock. Supper's at seven. At eight, Rosie goes to bed with a headache. At nine, old Parvenzano lets me through to his backyard where there's a board off Riddle's fence next door. I go under her window, help her down the fire escape. We've got to make it early on the preacher's account. It's all that easy if Rosie don't balk when the flag drops. Can you fix me one of them powders, Ikey? Ikey Schoenstein rubbed his nose slowly. Chunk, it is of drugs of that nature that pharmaceutists must have much carefulness. To you alone of my acquaintance would I entrust a powder like that. But for you I shall make it, and you shall see how it makes Rosie to think of you. I, Ikey went behind the prescription desk. There he crushed to a powder two soluble tablets, each containing a quarter of a grain of morphia. To them he added a little sugar of milk to increase the bulk, and folded the mixture neatly in a white paper. Taken by an adult, this powder would ensure several hours of heavy slumber without danger to the sleeper. This he handed to Chunk McGowan, telling him to administer it in a liquid if possible, and received the hearty thanks of the backyard looking of our. The subtlety of Ike's action becomes apparent upon recital of his subsequent move. He sent a messenger for Mr. Riddle and disclosed the plans of Mr. McGowan for eloping with Rosie. Mr. Riddle was a stout man, brick dusty of complexion and sudden in action. Much obliged, he said briefly to Ike. The lazy Irish loafer, my own room's just above Rosie's. I'll go up there myself after supper and load the shotgun and wait. If he comes into my backyard, he'll go away in an ambulance instead of a bridal chaise. With Rosie held in the clutches of Morpheus for a many hours deep slumber, and the bloodthirsty parent waiting, armed and forewarned, Ike felt that his rival was close, and indeed upon discomfiture. All night in the blue light drugstore, he waited at his duties for chance news of the tragedy, but none came. At eight o'clock in the morning, the day clerk arrived, and Ike started hurriedly for Mrs. Riddle's to learn the outcome. And lo, as he stepped out of the store, who but Chunk McGowan sprang from a passing streetcar and grasped his hand. Chunk McGowan, with a victor's smile, and flushed with joy. Pulled it off, said Chunk with Elysium in his grin. Rosie hit the fire escape on time to a second. We was under the wire at the Reverend's at nine thirty and a quarter. She's up at the flat. She cooked eggs this morning, a blue kimono. Lord, how lucky I am. You must pace up some day. I can feed with us. I've got a job down near the bridge. That's where I'm headed for now. The, the powder, stammered Ike. Ah, the stuff you gave me, said Chunk, broadening his grin. Well, it was this way. 
I sat down at the supper table last night at Riddles, and I like that Rosine. I says to myself, Chunk, if you get the girl, get her on the square. Don't try any hocus-pocus with a thoroughbred like her. And I keeps the paper you give me in my pocket. And then my lamps fall in another party present. Who, I says to myself, has fallen in a proper affection toward his coming son-in-law? So I watches my chance and dumps that powder in old man Riddle's coffee. See?